Something is hiding in the bushes. You can hear it rustling, you can hear it breathing, and you can even hear it moving. But it sounds unnatural, far too large to be any of the local fauna. But what is it, and are you going to chance your life to encounter it? Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's an encounter in the deep woods or something different, please be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would be honored to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further ado, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe if you're new, and get ready for these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Don't you just hate when you're just trying to mind your business, maybe browse the internet for some shopping, and suddenly, all these pop-ups come up and you have all these viruses coming out of nowhere? I know most of you are probably thinking, why don't you just use incognito mode? Well, let me tell you something. Incognito mode does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why, even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVP. It doesn't matter who your ISP is. In the US, they can legally sell your information to ad companies. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can no longer see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on. Honestly, it just runs seamlessly in the background and is so easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all of your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV, so there's no excuse for you to not be using it. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. Visit my exclusive link expressvpn.com swamped and get an extra three months free on your one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com swamped. expressvpn.com swamped to learn more. Hello my fellow swamp dwellers, this is a continuation of a story about the deep woods in Wisconsin when I encountered a creature. My name is Michael and I went back to those woods last week for hunting. Yes, I know it was a bad idea, so my dad and I brought our hunting rifles and Mossbergs. I brought my Glock from my other story as well. We also got some night vision and thermal scopes, so let's do a little recap, shall we? My dad and I went hunting in Wisconsin, and we met some sort of cryptid, a very tall gray creature with very long arms and sunken eyes. We had to stay still as it screeched at us, and later we went back to our place where it followed us and almost broke in. The police didn't help. Hell, they didn't even believe us. So let's start the story. We went into the forest again. This time we went further than we ever have, so we didn't re-encounter the creature, and everything was going well. We set up our blind. We did some hunting later in the night. We set up our campfire because we wanted to be on a two-day hunting trip. But this is where it gets weird and scary. We were eating some beans and heard branches breaking and heavy footsteps all around us. Everything was tranquil so that you could hear the steps very well. My dad and I raised our guns. My dad aimed his thermal scope while I put my night vision on, which was a bad idea. When I put it on, the fire made the vision very bright, which hurt my eyes, and while that was happening, 
my dad fired a shot. After a few seconds, I looked again with my night vision, and there it was, the creature that we had met before, only 10 meters from our position. My dad started to pelt the beast with a shotgun. After the rifle seemingly did little harm to the thing, I brought up my shotgun and started shooting it in unison. By some stroke of luck, the creature fell and seemed to be wounded. With the waning light from the fire, the surroundings were pitch dark. After a few moments of trying to recollect our thoughts, the creature suddenly got up and ran away. My dad said to go after it, and he took his thermal scope and rifle out again, and I took my night vision out as well. I thought it was a bad idea, but we went on, and it didn't seem to be bleeding. There were no blood trails on the ground that I could discern. The creature was fast, and we soon lost it through the brush. My dad said to pack up our things, but I thought that was a terrible idea because it could ambush us, and we were far away from home. So we decided to try to hold out in our tents and be ready for it to attack. Luckily, nothing happened until around 3.15 a.m. when we heard footsteps, and we were careful to spot them. My dad had his thermal gear ready. He spotted the creature, but it didn't seem to notice or look at us. It was just walking around looking for something, and we attempted to stay as quiet as we could. After what seemed like hours, but was likely only just a few minutes, it ran away. We waited until sunrise when we got home, and we were cautious because we did not want to see it again. When we went home, we were exhausted, and this is where our story ends. My dad and I won't be going into those woods ever again. We might get some cryptid hunters to go into the woods to try to kill it. Maybe that's too far into the future. But this is my story, my friends. I hope you all liked it as it was horrifying for me. My dad, thanks you, Swamp Dweller, if you do end up sharing my story. Thank you, everybody. And be careful out there. Hey, Swamp Dweller. My name is Heath, and I'm 26 years old. I've been watching your channel for almost a year now, but this is my first time writing in. I've never believed in the paranormal, but my passion for scary stories is second only to my love for nature. In a lifetime of camping and hiking, I've had more close calls than I can count, but none that would be mistaken for supernatural. Then there's what happened to me on my trip to Brazil. I'm not sure what this story classifies as, but it was one of the scariest experiences of my life. Other than that, I'll let you be the judge. Recovering from that trip has been difficult, so my therapist recommended writing it down. It didn't help, but it won't be wasted effort if you can find use for it. I've always loved the outdoors. Every birthday and Christmas of my childhood revolved around camping. By age 18, I had hiked trails in 14 states and 3 countries. My bucket list grew daily, but the Amazon rainforest was uncontested at the top. I thought my parents would plan the trip as a graduation present, but they felt the whole journey was too dangerous. Instead, they sent me to the Galloway Forest in Scotland. Don't get me wrong, it was quickly one of the most beautiful places I have ever seen, but my heart was set elsewhere. The next several years of college and starting my career passed by in a blur, but I could finally afford my ultimate three-week adventure. Once in Brazil, it took a few days for guides to lead me to my cabin, but I don't mind. It was deep in the forest, and walking through the Amazon was like walking through a movie scene. When we finally arrived, I was pleased to see several marked trails surrounding the area. 
Our guides were anxious to be on their way and didn't say much aside from a promise to return at the agreed time. If there was an emergency, my only way of contacting the outside world was through an old CB radio. I was pleased with the cabin. It was cozy and everything I could need. It included a minor, hand-drawn map of the area. The first three days were everything I dreamt of and more. Following the shorter paths, I photographed countless plants and insects, though the animals were shy. On the fourth day, when I was more comfortable with the area, I decided to walk one of the longer trails. Soon I was fully engrossed with beautiful sights. Every way I turned was something else I had never seen. It's tragic how many of those exotic wonders are threatened with extinction. I can't be sure how far or long I traveled, but the path slowly became narrower until ending altogether. It was quickly apparent there were no trail markers in sight and my heart dropped to my stomach like a lead weight. It didn't seem like I could have gone that far. I should have been able to turn around and find the path easily. Roughly 10 yards back, the thin trail split. I looked at the area from every angle, but it was all the same. I'll never start a hike without a map and compass again. It doesn't matter where I'm at. Relying on marked trails is not enough. Not only would I have remembered the map was on the kitchen table, but I would have also seen the directions were reversed the moment I stepped on the path. The trail led north, but I assumed it was south because I remembered the drawing. The cabin stood in the center, and the tracks were numbered. I took number five, which led from the front door down towards the bottom of the paper. It would have been straightforward to check if I hadn't let excitement compromise safety. I realized it probably wouldn't have happened if I brought someone else, but I'm glad I didn't. If another person had been there and it still happened, I'd never forgive myself, period. Thankfully, I did have my compass, but because of my assumptions regarding the directions, I mistakenly followed the compass north. The thought that it could be reversed never crossed my mind. At this point, I mostly was upset with wasting a day, but I wasn't necessarily afraid. There was no reason to think I would be out here after dark. It took several hours of marching through dense jungle before I could begin to accept the plan for the reality of being lost. The light was fading fast as the sun disappeared behind the vast green canopy. There wasn't much time to prepare, but I cleared a space next to a large tree and sat. Even my flashlight was in the cabin. All I had were my camera and cell phone. Since there was no service, I decided to save the phone for an emergency. The camera was not much, but when sitting in total darkness, any slight glow is a comfort. I never intended to sleep, but the mosquitoes wouldn't have allowed it. Those bastards were enough to drive anyone insane. They even bit my eyelids. That part was especially miserable. As badly as I wanted to scream, I kept quiet and alert. For the first several hours, there were only the cry of prey and the sound of charging predators, but they remained at a comfortable distance until 3 a.m. My eyes burned, and my vision was blurry, yet there was the sound of something much closer. Footsteps that were crystal clear. They were the light, stealthy steps of something dangerous, and a chill raced down my spine. The mystery creature was coming closer, and my only weapon was a pocket knife. I acted more on instinct than a decision. Without realizing what I had planned to do, I leapt to my feet and charged toward the sound, screaming like a madman. Several animals, not just one, scattered in different directions. They had been closer than I even suspected by moving just as they prepared to pounce, adding an extra element of surprise that probably saved my life. 
Whatever they were, they didn't come back for more. Now, wide awake, I waited on my feet for the last hour of the night. I resumed walking with the first gray light of dawn and ate a power bar. There were two more and another bottle of water, but I still believed the cabin was nearby. I wasn't concerned with rationing my supplies just yet. Two hours later, when I still had not seen anything familiar, my brain began to entertain the notion of being lost. I was out of excuses for why it was taking so long. Part of me didn't want to admit I made such a rookie mistake. This was not like wandering off in a forest back home. The Amazon is over two million square miles and filled with deadly creatures. It's not a matter of avoiding a few predators. Even plants and insects can kill you. Once I could finally accept my situation, I stopped thinking. Had I stayed put when I initially got lost on the trail, like every child is taught, I could have made a shelter and waited to be found when I failed to check in on the radio. Instead, I fell victim to my ego and had now no idea how far away or in what direction the cabin was. I had to keep moving, but couldn't decide where. Did I keep heading north, retrace my steps south, I could split the difference and try east, towards the village I'd visited. It was way too far to walk though, but the idea of moving towards something seemed comforting. As I contemplated these choices, I sat to inventory my supplies. The temperature was in the 90s, and what little I had to drink was immediately lost through sweat. My last bottle of water would barely get me through the day. While trying to estimate how long it would be before a search began, there was a sudden, excruciating pain in my hip. I tried to imagine what being shot felt like, and this is probably it. Jumping up, my hand went to the spot instinctively, and something was latched on. The pain was unlike anything I had ever experienced. I genuinely feared losing consciousness before getting it off me. Once it was dead, I carefully pulled it off slowly, so the stinger wasn't left behind. It had crawled into the one place my shirt came untucked. Due to the extreme pain, I expected it was a spider or a hornet. Instead, it was a bullet ant. Locals warned me about them, but I thought they were just having fun with me. They said they have the most painful sting in the world, and I can believe that now. The resulting fire in my hip began spreading in every direction, and soon a numbing sensation followed behind it. The bite was already swollen, and my skin was growing redder by the second. As my muscles began to spasm, I became convinced it was an allergic reaction. I had nothing that could help me if it was, and I started digging through my bag out of sheer desperation. That's when I heard the moan for the first time. It was only once, low and full of despair, but it froze me in place. I took a slow look in each direction and saw nothing, and another wave of pain racked my body, and I fell flat. As the world faded away, I honestly thought I was dying. Thankfully, I was only unconscious for a few minutes, but I woke up to yet another peak of agony. The worst part, there was no chance to acclimate to pain because it would just fade enough to let you breathe. Then wham, back with a vengeance. It's impossible to describe the hopelessness I felt in that moment. I had to keep moving, even if it was at a crawl. Most of the day was passed in a delirious spurt of semi-consciousness, but I was forced to stop early anyway. There would have been hours of light left, but a tropical storm blew in from nowhere. One night the weather was fine, the next it was pouring rain and the wind was blowing too hard to face. I could barely see a foot ahead of me, but there was no choice but to stop until it passed. 
Shelter options were non-existent, but I sat against a giant tree and dug a nook into its base. It helped with the wind, but soon filled with water, and it made it too cold and unbearable. I reached a point where I couldn't tell if my body was convulsing from the temperature drop or the ant bite. Every part of me ached terribly. The entirety of my lower back and one ash cheek were in utter agony. Yet all I could do was lie there, waiting. I'm not ashamed to say I cried like a girl. There are not many other people who wouldn't. Just when I thought I couldn't feel any worse, lightning struck a tree only 20 yards away, and it fell directly over me. If the thick branches hadn't caught the tree, I would have died right then and there. But that part wasn't so bad. The fallen giant provided shelter from the rain and allowed me to look around. That's when I saw a thin, hooded figure in the distance. My heart skipped at least three beats while I experienced a short-lived burst of euphoric relief. Then I realized it simply wasn't possible. Even if I sat ten feet from a village, there was no chance of someone standing out in that storm. As the crushing disappointment washed away any residual feelings of joy, another bright flash lit the area. I expected to see the tree or shrub I had confused for a person, but instead I now saw the frighteningly clear image of a skinny, hooded figure with its back to me. Seconds later, a bolt of lightning followed and despite heavy winds, not even the figure's robe flapped in the breeze. Its lack of movement unnerved me the most. At some point, I began holding my breath between flashes. With each one, I expected to see the shape for what it was. But they only revealed the same horrible image until the final, most extended flash of the light. For several seconds, the forest was bright as day, and the figure was now facing me. Inside, his hood was pitch black except for two bright white eyes shining out of the darkness. They stared at me and made my insides feel colder than my wet skin. There was no doubt whatsoever those eyes saw me. That gaze bore a physical, almost hungry touch. When the light was gone, I, I felt a horrifying certainty. The figure was coming for me. It didn't matter if there were no footsteps. In my mind, I could see it gliding above the ground as clearly as I saw those haunting eyes only seconds before. Now that I needed the lightning, the storm began to calm. It was 2.30 a.m., but I was no longer worried about the sleep, only the lurking hooded figure. I had hours of nothing to do but think as I waited to die, or for sunrise, whichever came first. I didn't particularly care. The only logical conclusion was a hallucination, and considering my desperate need to eat and sleep, I was beginning to believe that was precisely what had happened. By 4 a.m. the rain was now slow drizzle, and I was drifting off. My body was ready to quit. The only thing that mattered was not being conscious anymore. If something got me in my sleep, so be it. For an hour I slept but mostly felt aware. Before seeing my watch, I was sure only a few minutes had passed when another low, agonized moan shook me to the core. I was up instantly, fumbling for my phone. I almost dropped it twice while trying to turn on the flashlight but by some miracle it stayed dry. Its range was much worse than I'd hoped. It barely lit three feet in front of me, and the slight glow it produced only served to paint me as a clear target. After turning a quick paranoid circle, I shut the phone off again and settled in for another long wait. Only this time I didn't try to sleep. I left the instant it became possible to distinguish shapes on the ground. If they stayed still, I walked around them. If they moved, I ducked until they were gone. It was a simple system, and on one happy note, I was able to refill my water bottles in the rain. 
That was the most vital resource of all. And when the sun finally banished the last dark corners, I could fully appreciate how fortunate that was. Whether the strangely thin creature was a hallucination or not, I was filled with renewed determination to find my way back before another sunset. I felt like my heart would stop if I would hear that moan one more time. I had not believed a person could die of fright before that experience, but now I can certainly see how it's possible. I had to assume I had passed the cabin, but I couldn't retrace the same path as the day before. Knowing I wouldn't find anything familiar, instead I turned southwest. The muggy air was thick in my lungs, but I kept moving at a ridiculous pace, convinced I would see a trail marker every curve. I'm lucky I didn't have a heat stroke. Hell, maybe I did die out there and none of this is real. It's just my brain's way of processing death. That makes more sense than what happened. It was almost 1pm when I first saw the figure in the daylight. It was only a passing glance between trees and when I turned back it was gone. Even so, I could see it was facing away and its robe was old and faded. When I looked closer at where it stood, I noticed that the branch that hung just over its head was nearly seven feet tall. It was becoming more difficult to believe these vivid occurrences were hallucinations, but it was still the most logical explanation, especially considering its only competition was the theory that a crazy person was wandering around in the middle of the Amazon and managing to survive. The scare slowed my pace. I was terrified of suddenly bumping into the creature. I didn't want to imagine how it might react. I knew how angry and bitter I was starting to feel. The situation was already a matter of life and death without adding some creepy personification of death to the equation. That little burst of rage was the first time I thought outside of the strictly logical box. Putting aside personal beliefs about ghosts, cryptids, or demons, what about death? Every culture has some grim reaper, a way of giving death a face, an identity. Death is the primary universal constant, which is born, must always die. It's an inescapable, unwavering fact of our world. So it is unthinkable to believe our minds might give death a simple form when our time is near, stalking closer and closer until his hands are finally at our throat. All these thoughts made perfect sense in the moment. I felt like a brilliant philosopher in my delirious state. Another painful hunger cramp gripped my stomach, and a low, despairing moan blew in the wind, as if answering my question. I turned in quick circles to catch sight of the reaper, but I couldn't find him. And now, I know it sounds crazy, but it didn't feel crazy at the moment. I felt, or I should say it felt, like the most obvious thing in the world. Like it could never have been any other way. My mind delved down a rabbit hole of insane ramblings I hope never to repeat, and suddenly, another two hours were gone. My chest went tight with panic, and my already weak and my already weak legs trembled so badly that I fell to my knees. In a burst of anger, I began hitting the ground and screaming nonsense into the vast jungle, but I instantly froze at the sound of a low, careful movement behind me. First, I only looked up, straight ahead. I hadn't been ready to turn but I almost lost control of my bladder when I saw the reaper standing less than 50 yards away, white glowing eyes staring at me from the otherwise black void inside of his hood. I wanted to scream, but my voice was gone. It was only a second before I heard the slow, steady movement again and realized it wasn't footsteps. It was slithering. I turned just enough to confirm there was a snake behind me. Considering it lived in the Amazon, I didn't need to see it clearly to know it was probably deadly. 
I had to act immediately. It was already much too close and coming closer, but any sudden movement would cause it to strike most likely. I couldn't see how long it was or where its head might be, only the body was moving. When I turned back to the reaper, he was coming closer, and his gaze nauseated me. I threw my body into a desperate roll to escape those horrifying eyes and was sent rolling painfully across the lumpy, root-infested floor, away from the snake and death. After several feet, I hit a tree and came to a forced stop, where I struggled back to my feet. The reaper was gone again and the python wasn't hard to spot. I had only seen a small portion of the tail. It had been positioning itself to wrap around me, but I rolled the right way. I didn't care about putting distance between myself and that spot. I walked as fast as I could without thinking of the compass. Something had jabbed into my ant bite when I was down. A fresh wave of pain radiated through my body. The adrenaline was the only thing keeping me going. I had no chance of surviving another night. My last few hours had to be all or nothing. An hour later, the temperature began to drop and I knew the light would start to fade at any moment. The reaper's moans began anew, and I soon caught glimpses of him between the trees. It started as once every mile or so, but when it increased to five or six times in the same distance, I started seeing those damn white hot eyes again. Then the evening shadows stretched long as the light finally began to fade and I knew the end was near. I could feel it as much as I felt that penetrating gaze burn into my soul. I didn't even realize I was walking through a river until the water rushed over my boot tops. The shock of the cold cleared my foggy mind for just a brief instant, and I understood precisely what my discovery meant. If I followed the river, it would give me a real chance at survival. My last thought before collapsing, my legs refusing to go any further, I wept even harder at that. It felt like the forces of the universe were conspiring against me. My vision was blurring as I lay half in the water, half on the muddy bank. But the one thing I could see was a dark hooded figure approaching. I thought I heard another moan in the last seconds of consciousness, but it was louder, more like a roar. When I woke up, I was in a Brazilian hospital, and it was three days later. I've been on the long road of recovery ever since, and the doctor's official explanation is that I saw the man who rescued me just before losing consciousness. Of course, the roar was the sound of his boat engine, and I don't mind that theory in the least. I much prefer it to my version. In the doctor's story, I'll never have to see those godforsaken eyes again. I only hope to never set foot on that soil again. The Amazon rainforest is terrifying, so please feel free to believe any version or create your own. But remember, cherish the good times, always. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Now there's nothing like getting lost in the woods. It's downright terrifying and can be your last mistake. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm and that helps the swamp grow its ever-expanding waters. If you're new, why not subscribe and turn on notifications to never miss another episode as I upload them nearly every single day and all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories, be sure to download them for free from Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to give us a 5-star rating on both of those platforms, as it really truly helps me grow on those platforms as well. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, 
be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. If you'd like to support the swamp outside of all that, maybe check out the merch store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. Don't forget to join me over on Discord, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.